the noble truth of the extinction of suffering. The noble truth of the path that leads to the extinction of suffering. So long as these four noble truths are not understood, we shall wander in sorrow and ignorance. In this way, I do most deeply vow to train myself. All formations are transient, and I need to trust. All formations are subject to suffering, Dukkha. All things are without itself, and not the top. In this way, I do most deeply vow to train myself. Namo Prajna Paramita Hiridaya. Homage to the wisdom in the heart. Form is not different from emptiness. Emptiness is not different from form. This is the teaching of our spiritual ancestors, Gautama Buddha, and all the great teachers who have transmitted the Dharma to this holy day. Blessed is the knowledge of emptiness. Homage to the devotees of this and all paths of self-purification. May all find simplicity, the joyous and practical guide. The Dharma, being the contents of enlightenment, in which there is no bondage and no suffering, offers freedom from the fingers of ignorance and fear. In this way, I do most deeply vow to train myself. Sangha is the holy order of spiritual ancestors, monks, priests, and all those who follow and practice this path. Homage to the Sangha. Homage to all who are approaching this holy path. Homage to all who follow and establish this holy path. In this way, I do most deeply vow to train myself. By compassionate comprehension that dissipates delusion, by compassionate aspiration that harms no one, by compassionate speech that makes for clarity, by compassionate self-discipline that brings no regret, by compassionate livelihood that brings no discredit, by compassionate endeavor that results in goodness, by compassionate mindfulness that proves this path, by compassionate awareness that leads to nirvana. In this way, I do most deeply vow to train myself. With this recitation, I do confirm my acceptance of these three pure precepts. The precept of restraint and religious observances. The precept of obedience to all good laws. The precept to benefit all sentient beings. In this way, I do most deeply vow to train myself. With this recitation, I do confirm my acceptance of these ten grave prohibited precepts. 
not to lead a harmful life, nor to encourage others to do so, not to take that which is not given, not to commit or participate in unchaste conduct, not to tell lies nor practice believing the fantasies of authority, not to use intoxicating drinks or narcotics, nor assist others to do so, not to publish other people's faults, not to extol oneself and slander others, not to be avaricious in the soul of the teachings, not to be angry, not to seek ill of this religion or any other. In this way, I do most deeply vow to train myself. In the practice of loving kindness, in the practice of pure attention, in the practice of ever-expanding faith, in the practice of constant devotion, in the practice of inquiry through correct dhyana. In this way, I do most deeply vow to train myself. Oh, happy blessed day! Oh, happy blessed place! Oh, happy blessed time! Oh, happy blessed path! Oh, happy blessed opportunity! In this way, I do most deeply vow to train myself. Here, in humble submission, in order to experience this most perfect now, I deeply vow and sacrifice all thoughts, all tensions, all pressures, and desires. I am born of karma. I am heir to karma. I abide in karma, and I am supported by karma. Whatever I do creates karma, and I shall surely experience this karma. The merit for all good acts I do freely offer to all beings. Dutyampi, Tatyampi, Saha. Again and yet again may it be so. Willingness is the name of the key to the gate of awakening. For even to awaken from deep sleep and face the new day, there must be the willingness to do it. Here in my hand is the opportunity, and the way is clear beyond the gate of thought and desire. There is no self and other, as the awareness of pure, undisturbed consciousness slips into all consciousness.
Um, so I have been um, having one of my tapestry moments where there have been lots of little seemingly unrelated things mm-hmm. dropping in and circling in awareness and then you get one piece that's like paints the whole picture and and so the um, the underlying karma that was revealed in all these different ways, things, was um, the I don't matter mm-hmm. karma. Mm-hmm. So all these little kind of disparate things came together and you saw that the common thread of all the was I don't matter. Yeah, yeah. And so just to sort of 
flesh that out a little bit and look at it more deeply in this way is um, so with this month's focus of the year-long retreat being sexuality mm-hmm. I've been looking at that in various uh, ways that sex and sexuality has been manifested in my whole life mm-hmm. <coughs> and one way that has kept coming up in my awareness was how I used to be with my husband um, then husband uh, and it was like this it, it's so classic Enneagram type 2 it would be like okay kids have had their baths dog's been fed let's see it's been a while since we've had sex we better have sex so he'll be okay and then everybody's taken care of mm-hmm. Yeah. and you can imagine how satisfying that was, you know. <laughs> and the resentment that would build up over time, yeah, yeah, because it was that everybody's being taken care of, but me. Exactly. When that's the I don't matter, exactly. you know, everything was like a to-do list, including all the time that stuff. Yep. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And it categorized him as one of the kids or the dog, you know? Right. On that thing. Actually, he was at the bottom of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and so that, that was just so big to see how over time that just eroded mm-hmm. any semblance of a real marriage relationship that we ever had I mean you know Sherry often says karma is so ugly Mm -hmm. and boy when you you see something like that it's like oh my god we never stood a chance in a way in a way yeah never standing a chance I mean there never was that opportunity for true intimacy it was just um, yeah seen through the eyes lens of karma Mm -hmm. seen through the classic genius eyes it, yeah, there was just never a connection there. Yeah, because yeah. our in my mind, my most intimate relationship was with that yeah. karma yeah. that was like, oh, you take care of this, and you need to take care of this, and that's how you're going to be okay. You'll be fine if you if they're all okay. Yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. Wait, no, you're fine. Yeah. We're all fine. Yeah. 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 And it sounds like there wasn't even a connection with that person. And you know, with that human, right? There was never even checking in to see if actually that she was fine. No, nope, not until much, much later into mm-hmm. years, really into practice, did the whole. I mean, it was happening. It was happening in other areas. Like the, it was circling around to the really, really big stuff in the middle. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got to start taking care of the body and moisturizing the skin pretty early on in practice. <laughs> you know, and then I got to start eating better, and you know, then maybe I could even start exercising. You know, and then it was circling around to the really, really big stuff of wow, sex and sexuality. That you know, yeah. okay. Maybe she can get taken care of in that way as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So just starting around on the periphery, but not being mm-hmm. able to look at the highly charged issue mm-hmm. of sex and sexuality. Yes, and 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 then the, the, the another thing that just dropped in in the last few days, another example of that, and it may not seem related at first, but maybe it will, was. Um, I noticed that for a few months now, there's been this process going on about 
well, do I need to floss my teeth every night? Mm-hmm. Or how many nights, how many days can I kind of go without it really mattering that I didn't floss my teeth? Until uh-huh. you start seeing signs that, oh, I should floss my teeth. You know, and, and even that, I, you know, the, the question about them, why, why would I, why would I even why ask that? Yeah. Why wouldn't I still floss my teeth every uh-huh. night? Uh-huh. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and just that one little question shone the light on the process. Uh, well, how much does she really need? Yeah, yeah. What is the minimum we can get by, you know, to just kind of keep her alive? Exactly. <laughs> Barely, but not really living. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and as practice has deepened, my self-care standards, or, you know, what I want to do, mm-hmm. standards not the right word, you know, what I want to do has risen, and so ego has, has had to attack it in different ways has had to uh, try to undermine it in much more subtle ways mm-hmm. because I'm just not going to go splurge, binge on brownies necessarily mm-hmm. unless I happen to be home for a week, you know, back in Texas for a weekend. Then I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, that, that just doesn't happen like it used to. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the subtle ways, like, well, let's just eat another helping of lentil chips, or mm-hmm. let's just not floss our teeth every night, or mm-hmm. let's. And so, so that too is related to the sexuality because it is a robbing of the experience in the body. Yeah. You know, the experience because I'm not in a sexual relationship with another person, right? Mm-hmm. You know, anymore. But I'm in a sexual relationship with this body. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the body, and mm-hmm. and so how can it erode? those experiences just like it eroded it with my my husband. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So just noticing that constant tendency to, to uh, condition mind or ego to just want to continually erode and it might be more subtle mm-hmm. than what was, you know, earlier on when you were married, but you see the process still continuing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and one of the last pieces that has dropped in in this tapestry thing was ever since we started on this topic for this month, mm-hmm. it, it, the, the thing that Sherry said, her teacher said, has been circling around, which is, it's not that I have anything against orgasm, it's just that why would I want to limit myself? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? That's been a call-on for me for ever since I heard it. Like, mm-hmm. what? Surely he's not saying that we can have just as much pleasurable experiences at what, that match orgasm, wouldn't it? What you know, and and that reading about Saint Teresa say when when, when she, I think it was Saint Teresa, yeah, when she heard God say, "Enjoy me," boy, I, I watched the mind going to well. What she meant by that was you know, and spiritualizing it, yeah, you know, yeah. I get meant to ha ha ha, and I bet oh, and I really want that, and, you know, all that kind of pseudo spirituality stuff. <laughs> and I suspect that what she meant was enjoying with everything, body, everything. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that's what he was pointing to is possible, as mm-hmm. as in that that kind of enjoyment of all of physical mm-hmm. being is mm-hmm. not relegated only to a orgasmic experience of sex with another human being or yeah. whoever, another, another person. It's possible in all kinds of ways and mm-hmm. all kinds of manner mm-hmm. and we 
we've been we've been talking about that with the pleasure of the wind on the skin, or the warmth of the water over the hands, and all of that kind of stuff, and how. Well, do I really need to floss my teeth? It's just, you know, that's the process by which that gets wrong. And starts to erode that yeah. complete immersion and, and pleasure, or, you know, to, yeah, to just acknowledge this whole body. I mean, without body. Yeah. You know, that's incredibly sensual and, you know, like just all kinds of wonderful things in it. And then, you know, to see that, it, that pleasure doesn't have to be relegated to one particular aspect right. of the body and what if it was, you know, all about enjoy me in totality. Yep. And you know, the whole the whole experience. Yeah. And exploring that and yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting. Jim. Um yeah, boy, I really have gotten so much out of this theme also. This topic um, and one of the things I saw, I called into the show the other day, and I was, so I, that opened some more, you know, it's just that place, right, that we mm-hmm. talked about. You record, and then you listen, and then you see something from that, and then you record, and you, and so that's really been happening in that, including with that last conversation. <laughs> this is so helpful. Um, and sort of the, one of the ahas that has come with it is realizing that so I was speaking on the radio show about that place where, from a very young age, feeling that um, it's so, the pronouns get funny, but I'll just talk about it, <laughs> but where it felt like I needed to be in control because it wasn't safe to be vulnerable. In so many ways. In so many ways, and I'm sure that many of us can really relate to that, you know, from a very young age. It's yeah. not okay oh, to be vulnerable. It's not, a, I got control of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even stuff like playing card games or like, you know, random sports in the backyard. And what's interesting is it's not that I didn't want to. Because mm-hmm. the ones that I was good at, I was all in. Yeah. You know, yeah. all in. In fact, I was, it's just one of those things where you're like, wow, no wonder. It just puts all these pieces together. But I was often the orchestrating principal for a lot of activities. I was the person that would bring everyone together and let's do this. And I don't think this is the whole thing, but one of the things I saw in that was what was handy about that is that if I'm planning it, I'm planning what I'm good at. Yeah. <laughs> I'm planning the work for me. I'm planning, right? There's the element of control. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's an element of control in it. So, um, so anyway, just seeing that and then... Um, so of course that played out in sexuality. And so it didn't, it wasn't so much, I would say it wasn't so much a fear of sexuality as the fear, that fear of being vulnerable in that way. And so actually, it, I just a flash on it even happened for me with everything, like I, with drinking alcohol. I remember kind of that like being afraid of being out of control, but it was one of those things where once I realized it was okay, <laughs> then it was like, all right, here we go. But, but just that, um, but what I saw in it is that, so what happened for me was I, uh, people have alluded, other people, you know, we've talked about this topic, people have alluded to, so what I hear them saying is, so a place they went to is like, even though they felt like they needed time to be safe or they needed, mm-hmm. they kind of just got pushed into whatever. And that's not 
the the how it unfolded for me. Mm-hmm. How it unfolded for me is I did make sure that I felt super super safe mm-hmm. and kind of all that stuff. So so in one sense it was control mm-hmm. and. What ended up happening is that when I was sexual in that traditional way that we talk about, I felt very loved mm-hmm. and I felt very safe mm-hmm. and I it was a cool positive experience. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the thing that I'm seeing in it is what we talk about how the truth is in the lie. That's one way we talk about it. And that the greatest gift is inside what seems to be the crust of karma. Mm-hmm. And so what I saw is, you know what, if that happened in all of those areas of my life, then very likely on some level that process is continuing to happen. Mm -hmm. And what if I, in a sense, this is a clumsy way to say it, but I use that to my advantage. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so like if, take the example of I've got to take care of everyone. All right, well, let's use that, that impetus to take care, to take care here. And so what I was saying, okay, so if there's, if there's a process that happens around needing to feel really safe and for everything to be lined up, then that's probably happening right now in subtle ways that I can't see. So what if I began to turn the attention to where is that lack of safety that I'm not seeing? Mm-hmm. How might that be playing into staying defended against things that I actually want? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So let me see if I followed you there. Um, yeah, so just really seeing that a process is not likely to go away. If it was going on you know, <laughs> early on, it was probably still going on, even though there may have been lots of insights and awareness exactly. into that process. And also, you know, I, and then I was sexual, mm-hmm. and I did, you know, have yeah. a relationship with alcohol, and I did, you know, right, you know right. play sports, and I did, you know, all yeah. of those things. All those things would seem like you gave up some control, mm-hmm. but, you, but you suspect that maybe <laughs> those same you know, actually there was this kind of state you had in those experiences to be able to, quote, be out of control. Mm-hmm. And so to just really look at now, that's, yeah, I, I would love that, to see the truth is in the lie. Yeah. You know, and where is it, yeah, looking to see where is it that I'm, I, that process is still active. Yeah. When I look at it through the lens of where is it that I still feel like I need free. So I saw a couple of things as you were reflecting. One, so I think often it can be, okay, so there's a process of control, so stop doing that. <laughs> right? Don't do that. So if we go back to the process, if we go back to the content of sexuality, so just stop being afraid of it. Go! Do it! And you, I mean, that's a really clear example where that is not going to work. <laughs> go, you know, go relax and be vulnerable. <laughs> Without ever addressing, well, where is that coming from? What's going on there? So, so that process. Um, and then there was something else. <laughs> but I guess just basically, uh, oh, that there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It's just, for whatever reason, that's just how the pieces show up here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so just to really be with that. Mm-hmm. You wow. Know? 
well, it's, you know, so important. There's really nothing wrong with any of it. And to just, how can uh, you just show up and be with, mm-hmm. you know, this, 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 this particular karmic bin? Yes. And, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> and engaged in other process of trying to fix yeah. it and get over it. Yeah, I know I was. It was a thing where it was really helpful how you said, like, oh, seeing that, well, maybe there was a, it was kind of all being staged so that, so that I could go have fun, so that I could, because actually as I was reporting about it, I was like, it would have been one thing if, you know, just, I don't really want to be around people, and I'm kind of shy, and so that works well, you know, but it wasn't like that, it was like, I really want to play, this is so fun, they're so, you know, but, but having those two things collide so hideously, right, so then there's that control, so, so seeing that, all right, I've got to make it all just so, so that I can go and play. Mm-hmm. And so just imagining, here's this person who ultimately is really interested in completely surrendering to the divine, right? So I've got to get it all just so. I've got to get lined up. And those, things, those, those two things are inherently at odds with one another. Yeah, they are. Right? And yes, there's this... What's driving her? Yeah. You know, this total, you know, desire to engage and be in relationship with the divine, and, and there's this willingness to do whatever it takes. Yeah. It might be a little bit clumsy, yeah. but you know, she's she's going at it yeah. with what she has and what yeah. she yeah. yeah. So just it just strikes me like really paying close attention to what she's doing. You know, so let her play, let her, and then just sort of to the side, literally like you might, if you were the mom of a, of a kid who was having anxiety or having whatever, just really watching her, letting her do her thing, and watching to see what are the clues, what she is attempting to do, which I think will be big clues in terms of where is she not feeling safe, right, so that I can assist her with that. It's like just a really clear description of awareness practice. Yeah. You know, to not not get into that control again. Exactly. Trying to control her experience. Exactly. Just observing yeah. from this really kind, mm-hmm. compassionate place mm-hmm. and giving and taking in information. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I definitely hearing this information of how everyone can have it really put together. And I don't have what I'm about to put together, but I'm seeing like as people are talking, like oh, oh, ooh, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but there's recognition, recognition, why not? Yeah, and uh, I think the other day in group I was talking about um, eating a meal, and I was eating an apple, and became aware that I was in a conversation about things that weren't going on, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, it was like planning something in the future, or, okay, I gotta go do that, don't forget to do that, or, you know, why did you do it that way, something that already happened, which is where the attention often is, from mm-hmm. the future planning or rehashing the past. And then something came in about, well, how about just eat your apple? Be with your apple. And I just had this complete, like, one of those contrasting places of, I had literally had a bite of apple in my mouth, and I didn't taste it. Mm-hmm. And how is that? I know I have a tongue. I know there's this biological process with taste buds and saliva where where you register this, the, the texture and the taste. And there's all kinds of things, I imagine, going on biologically. And there's something that registers that and can really enjoy that. 
And so then I brought all the attention to the apple first visually, you know, just like, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden it's almost like you've never seen an apple before, you know, and then the, and being with it, and it was like, okay, there's a mouth and there's an apple, but completely two different experiences. Yeah. And how does that happen? How does that happen? How does that happen that, yeah, the, the whole experience of being alive and actually, you know, yeah. Being with what's right here in front of us, how does that just get snatched? Yeah, it really exactly. I mean, that's what it feels like. There's some sort of like robot, as you know, as I would call it, like kind of being taken over. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, the attention is somewhere else, mm-hmm. and where it's somewhere else, you can't experience what's going on now. And that was just such a clear. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about this. That's where all the attention is. And even though there's an apple in my mouth, because the attention's not there, I don't get to experience what's actually happening now. I <laughs> we talk about this a lot, but it was one of those really concrete, wow, you're either here or you're not. You're either, I mean, alive and experiencing what's actually happening, or you're not. You're not. And, 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 and from that, you can really see why then people feel um, pushed to have another apple and another apple and another apple. You know, it's like, That's a good point. you never had that apple in the first place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not quite feeling satisfied. Well, right. maybe if I try half this, or mm-hmm. I know I really liked that before, and I'm putting it in my mouth, mm-hmm. but my attention is on a conversation mm-hmm. about being satisfied. Yeah. So it is never enough. Never. Because I'm not actually tasting or experiencing what I'm eating. Exactly. So when we were just when that conversation started about sex, it was like, oh, it's the same process. Where um, I would be, I'm also a type two on the Enneagram, which is a personality typing system, and that base belief of attention uh, and worthless. And so there's always questions about adequacy. Mm-hmm. And with sex, it's always often been a conversation about adequacy and essentially, as we've discussed, pleasing the other person. Mm-hmm. And in that way, the attention leaves the body mm-hmm. and the experience that's happening. And it's and you could say it's on the other person, but it's actually not. <laughs> it's actually on a conversation about, well, are they enjoying it? Is this going well? How are you doing it? What about, the, you know, yeah. all of this. I mean, it's actually fear. Yeah. You know, kind of the opposite of what you would think about having sex with someone, that, that there would be a, a union and a sensation of enjoyment and an expression, and a, yeah. that just isn't available because I'm kind of in that dead place again. That dead place of fever. And just, yeah, and, and, and yeah, to remove the apple. It is completely not good yeah. to what's happening, yeah. and it's just going off in this conversation of, yeah. you know. Yeah, even though physically there is this, there's a body and another body, and mm-hmm. then Interactions happening, yet it's like it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is amazing in itself. It is amazing. Yeah, and I do remember um, coming on one of my first monologues, and it was it was amazing. It was like one of those, you know, you're here on retreat, you're here for a month, and it's like, whoa. I mean, like the the life energy in the presence. Mm-hmm. And then often it would seem like it would dissipate rather quickly when I would get home and the attention would get drawn into all the distractions. And, but in this case, it like, seemed to carry on that in touch with the life force, carry on for like a couple of weeks. And I was in a relationship. And I remember having sex and going, whoa! <laughs> like, I I didn't, the, just on the skin and everything, uh-huh. just the, uh-huh. the aliveness uh-huh. that was possible. And I just suspect there was 
it was just like that grace of not being in that conversation. And I thought, how is this? How are you? How is this? Help me in that yeah. egocentric yeah. place. And just even, I don't even know how much more attention was here, the complete difference. Yeah, yeah, the complete difference. I mean, we're kind of going back to the first conversation. Uh, you know, that experience, it sounds like, because of the life, the life force is available, you know, that had been building for that month, and then there was a possibility to have an experience that just encompassed the whole being, yeah. you know, rather than, yeah. Which is what I project onto what was being referred to around what, te- what Sherry's teacher talked about, um, what we've been talking about with orgasm, kind of being like the poor man's enlightenment. Or um, kind of like, yeah, but I'm not going to trade that for essentially for being in that place all that aliveness all the time. You think here we are giving, giving, being given crumbs, mm-hmm. and then you, maybe you have an orgasm, and you're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, what if that level of dropping everything and having the attention on the experience, which I think is what we're talking about with that, I'm not sure, but all the attention is here for a split second, and you're like, whew. What if that was possible all the time? Mm-hmm. But what it seems like we're meant to believe is like, boy, oh, you're getting enough, aren't you? Yeah. And then you get to have this nice thing, and then you get to go back to being controlled. Yeah. You know, it's just like another part of the process of being on the hook mm-hmm. of being controlled yeah. almost. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, sort of like that carrot at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you're not meant to see like you don't have to post settle. For what the survival system is offering you. You don't have to settle for what the survival system is offering you. And, yeah, and also wanting to just um, um, feed off of you. You, know, you don't have to settle for giving away that, you know, that great energy that was available. And it can be there constantly. Like, it's, yeah, we even, get to, we even settle for the fact that it's that orgasm is it, like the ultimate. Yeah, exactly. You know, we get fed that. Yeah. And then, we, you know, we don't, we don't pursue it any farther. We don't yeah. look. Yeah, we don't even explore what is that. What is that? What's that like? How does that happen? Well, how does that happen? Is it, and is it really only confined to this one experience? Right. Yeah. Gosh. And just the, the last thing about... Um, I've been just looking at it seems to be a deep belief in I, I need that survival system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I know the directly attention, I know how harmful that is, yet I continue to... And I just had this flash of, um, in my previous career, consulting in a preschool, and I remember there was this three-year-old, and there was this teaching assistant, and I think, I don't know what she I think she was just playing with something that we don't play with at that time, or something like that. And I remember the teaching assistant just like, um, oh yeah. And I remember watching her body. It was just like, it was like a shockwave went through her. And um, it was just like she was just here, going about life. And then she got like, knocked out of like, sort of like woken up out of presence into what I project happens to us. So what was being said earlier, it doesn't seem to work to be like, well just go out there and don't be afraid, just do it. <laughs> yeah, because that's what happened to us over and over and over. And that shock in the system associated with what what are you doing, which is essentially what you're bad, you're wrong, I'm mad at you, there's a really tall hill looking down at me with a scary face and I'm really powerless and vulnerable. You know, those are the kinds of I mean, I would say 
your life is threatened. Yeah. It could easily be associated with. Exactly. So to say, when we get caught up in that, oh, well, just, I mean, you know, you just enjoy the apple and, you know, the fact that it's, uh, <laughs> there's a process that occurs. There isn't just a, I mean, that just seems like another way to say, well, what's wrong with you? I mean, you know that thing, da, da, da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that mentoring that's been being discussed. Exactly. And to talk about it openly in group and have yeah. that facilitation just seems really kind. It seems really kind, really. It just brings um, awareness to the whole process rather than, you know, again, you got to fix it forcing that person into something that they're, you know, but to just yeah. watch. And, and that's and that coming back up, is that so? You know, is that true? Uh-huh. You know, to just watch yeah. everything that's going on and, and, and mm-hmm. in that question. Mm-hmm. That's very kind. That's very kind. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd like to um, talk about time and planning. Mm-hmm. And uh, conditioning has a huge investment in me not seeing this, so I don't even see the process. I can't go beyond the content in this. And yesterday, somebody in group said that uh, they were using their activator to plan for their retirement, mm-hmm. and we kind of laughed about that. I missed it completely. What the <coughs> what was funny? You didn't get the joke <laughs> <laughs> because and somebody said it sounds so reasonable. And I said, well, yeah, it is. It, it, it's just like no question about it. Right, right. Yeah. We need to plan for the meals. We need to plan for the garden. We need to plan what the money is. And I don't see the... I can understand that we can plan, 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 and it not happen. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But the planning, like the calendar, the monastery calendar, it seems to me that things have to get planned. And so I can't see what's up... You know, I can't see beyond that. Uh-huh. So you just can't see beyond the, the need for planning. It seems like, yeah, the we need to plan. plan. There are certain things that we need to plan for. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so what's, what's so... What happened this morning when, when uh, another person was talking about safety? Mm-hmm. I thought maybe that's a piece of it, like an illusion of control. Yes. You know, if we... There is, because I can feel it in my body, there is a settling if I have a plan about something. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't matter if the plan works. Mm-hmm. But there's something about a plan that I can't get beyond that. There's something that I, I haven't seen beyond that. You haven't seen beyond that. But you're just aware that there's a, a kind of settling that goes on mm-hmm. when you have a plan mm-hmm. versus, yeah, no plan. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess where I get tricked is where it just seems so necessary. I mean, we don't eat unless you plan the meal and we get the produce and produce gets clean. Mm-hmm. And it, it just seems real. It just seems real. Yeah. 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 It seems real to you. And, and can that be okay? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny because... Uh, I'm thinking I missed something when everybody else was laughing about her using the cat uh-huh. uh-huh. that there's some bigger picture of spirituality that I'm missing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Something. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh, that's back to something's wrong with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I okay. think so. Yeah, everybody got something. Yes, that that's it. Get. That's it exactly. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. it exactly. Yeah. And if only I would get it. It would be the game changer. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel, you know, you feel like you belong. And right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's it. That's it. It wasn't okay. Yeah. And I guess the thing I could look for is 
um, how is safety operating here, or how is control operating here, mm -hmm. or you just kind of be looking at that, yeah, just an inquiry into like, yeah, hmm, this is this is interesting. Uh huh. You know, is this supporting ending suffering or yeah, yes, yeah. yes, that's good. Is this supporting ending suffering? Uh huh. That's thank you. I'm handled. <laughs> You're good job. Okay. Okay. I'm better than good. I'm great. Thank you. I'm enjoying really enjoying this discussion. I was thinking about. I was recording about and thinking about this topic of sexuality soon, and and the story that was just told about the, the little kid in preschool and doing just being who she was, or he, yeah, I guess who she was, and, and then the teacher coming in, uh, and um, you know, that moment, it was kind of, it's a kind of Christmas moment, I think. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a life-changing moment, and I, and I brought back a moment I had like that. So, so I'm a woman with a whole lot of yang energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was a little girl, in, in, uh, in recess, in, in kindergarten, I used to play with the boys. Mm -hmm. And we'd all go running out to this, what we thought at the time was a huge valley. I'm first boss, I'm second boss, I'm third boss, and I was usually first or second or third boss. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember all the, all, the, all the kids with the boys, and I played with the boys. Anyway, and I remember, mm -hmm. I always did recess with the boys. Mm -hmm. And somewhere around sixth, I mean, about first or second grade, I remember going into the girls' room, and there were two other girls there, and when I walked in, they said, one said to the other, there's that girl. Um, I mean, I remember that. And that was what now? Sixty-some years ago. And it was, I think it was one of those moments we were talking about it, and I thought, uh-oh, there's something wrong. Yeah. And I actually think I knew what they were talking about, was that the girl who was with the boys. And so I, I think that that was something that just was a, was a trial, was a challenge for me all the way through. And... <coughs> And, all, and I got along great with boys through sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And then about seventh grade, when I got into boy-girl stuff, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, I didn't, those, those, that kind of friendship wasn't available. Mm -hmm. So that was a, so then all of a sudden I didn't have relationships with boys, and I went, my friendships were all with girls. And just, you know, and, and also just looking at the times that I grew up in, you know, it was the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> and then, in post World War II, women who had been carrying the country during the war were chased back into the kitchen, into domestic, into very domestic roles. And so there was a very feminine view of how to be a girl. And I, I've never been that kind of girl. So that was always a real challenge, and, and always a feeling of I'm not doing this right, I'm out of it, you know. And um, and, and and no experience really of sexuality. Uh, I did through sixth grade with a lot of necking and stuff like that, spin the bottle and all that. Then all of a sudden end it, you know, just like that. And um, and just you're trying to figure out who you are in that yeah, kind of context well, was so yeah. challenging. Mm -hmm. And then and then having having some sexual relationships with Mary briefly and and um, and always sort of wondering, you know. And then at 39, meeting my partner and thinking, oh, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and, and, but, I, but there was no way I could have gotten that with my background uh -huh. in the context I was growing mm -hmm. up in. Yeah. It was so constricted and so constricted in terms of roles uh -huh. and how one is male or how one is female. Yeah. But there was no way I could get that until I was almost 40. Yeah. And, and just thinking about the amount of tension that that probably generated. And the other thing I was thinking as I came down was, but 
because I had all that young energy, which on the one hand was the problem in the lies the truth, I was in sports. And I had always had that outlet. You know, I've always been athletic. I've always, been, I've always loved to be outdoors. And I realized that, you know, as long as we think of it as all energy, that energy always had outlets. And I think, praise God, that energy always had outlets. So that, so I can't say it like I had an unhappy childhood or an unhappy adolescence. There, there were all those questions, those unanswered questions, and kind of wondering what in the world's going on. But, um, but there was also always a way to express it. But especially in the times that I grew up in, it was, it was, there, weren't. I mean, there was a, there was a group of us who were real sports people, and <laughs> you know, we played games. We had a whole season. We had four sports. We had played games. We never had a spectator. Never. <laughs> real sports just didn't. You know, they were nothing. But we were to each other uh, a saving grace. And um, so I just, you know, just so much depends on the context. The other thing about, you know, sexual experimentation when I was growing up was there was not easy birth control then. So there was a terror of pregnancy. And the stories of the girls who got pregnant were, you know, ostracized and put in homes. Uh, that girl. That, yeah, yeah, that girl. There's that girl. So that, in a way, was a helpful constraint, in a way. But mm-hmm. it was also, you know, it, it was all in the context of, of fear and, 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 a, and a very strictured way of doing it right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I just was recognizing all that as my background. And also recognizing the saving grace of things like, I've always had outlets. And I remember... I also, I also had pretty good parents, and I remember um, my brother, who had left the house by the time I was in like eighth grade, I remember going to his closet one day in his room, and, and there was a book, the big book at the time was Peyton Place, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I yeah, returned to Peyton Place, and I remember I was... And I left it somewhere, and my mother found it. And I remember she came in, and she handed it to me, and she said, I'm aware that you're reading this. I just want you to know that. And she handed it to me and walked up. Mm-hmm. So I kept reading it. <laughs> but, but she knew that I was reading it, and I knew she knew. She knew. And there was nothing punitive about it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, all that, all that so plays into... I mean, it's the, I, I'm not sure there's a way to grow up sexually healthy. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think we live in a healthful society in terms of sexuality. So the fact that we function at all, right? You know, there's so much, there's so much, there's so many strictures, there's so much fear. There's so much fear in our lives. And isn't it a, it's an incredible testament to the kindness of life that you, like you described, like, yeah, so much conflict growing up, and yet the life force found a way yep. for expression. Yep. And and for you it was through sports. Yep. And you found you know folks to engage in that and that and all that energy could mm-hmm. get released. Yes. Even though there was a continual conversation about being you know, questioning and being the wrong person mm-hmm. and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet, you know, life carried on and, and, and you were able to meet a partner mm-hmm. at, you know, I think yeah. it's at 39 and a lot of, a lot of those parts feel in the place. And you know, I've sometimes come in on here that I started on this at eight. I mean, that kid that was running out at recess was an eight. Mm-hmm. I'm first boss. 
And over time he came alive. And I think what happened was that, that sense of this, uh, this is inappropriate socially. Yeah. The kind of energy I have that doesn't have a place. I think is how I, I sort of stepped back and became an observer. Mm-hmm. And um, so I know that for so the control was a big, big piece yeah. of it too. And of course, as I say, growing up at a time when everyone was terrified of getting pregnant, control was a big piece of it. Yeah. But I had this again. You're talking about the kindness of life. So this is, um, you know, so <clears throat> when I went to seminary. Um, I was doing an internship, and uh, the opportunity arose to do an internship either with um, gay people with AIDS in the Tenderloin, or, or there was some other thing. And I said, well, I said, I, I could do gay people, or I could do the Tenderloin, I probably couldn't do both. So, of course, what I got was gay people with AIDS in the Tenderloin. <laughs> and, and I remember thinking, you know, what I was saying to life was, like, here are the limits. Okay, yeah, here's what I'm yeah, capable of, here are the limits, try to fit in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and life was just, it was, so, it was such a kindness to say, mm-hmm. here it is. Yeah. And what I realized as I was in that was that my plan was to go into ministry and then go back to an old white steeple church in Ohio, like I came from. <laughs> and instead I ended up in the, in the San Francisco's Tenderloin with gay people with AIDS and at the time when there was no cure. Mm-hmm. And, and the people I was with were crazy. You know, they were, they were drug addicts, they were jailbirds, they were, and it was the best ministry because I didn't have any constraints. I mean, anything I did was so within the bounds of everything they were doing yeah. that there were no constraints at all. And so I could really experience myself in a whole open way that I would never have done if I'd yeah. gone back to that very constricted white stupid church where I knew how to behave. Exactly. It was yeah. such a gift. It was such a kindness. It was such a kindness and such a gift to be put into a situation where um, everything came together that you thought wouldn't be, right. you could not handle, I couldn't handle that. I handle that. And to, I mean, the adequacy that came out of that and, right. to, and to realize that, wow, right. you know, this is not only um, I'm bigger, you know, there's, there's bigger capability here than I've been told. Yeah. And, um, and open the door to... Yeah. yeah, and I had to get over the, a lot of fears because uh-huh. I was afraid of those people. You know? yeah. I was afraid of drugs. I was afraid of, of people with AIDS. Well, I wasn't really afraid of people with AIDS, but I, you know, just in that environment. I mean, yeah. I came from the kind of rural area. Yeah. I was in downtown San Francisco. And then the, the other thing I just thought that came to me was, and just in terms of the gift of that ministry, was I mean, there were millions, but. So the, the other thing I had to deal with was transsexual people, and I never experienced that. Mm-hmm. And there were a number of people who were um, male to transition to female. And, uh, and this one woman who was still very masculine. And, uh, and I remember one time I was in the hotel where all these people were gathered and where I worked and, and, and she said to me, uh, and I still thought of her as male, you know, and she said to me, can you come to my room and talk? She said, I need to talk to another woman. Mm-hmm. And so, right. And so, I mean, I just remember that moment of yeah. getting it. Oh, that's who she is. Mm-hmm. She's telling me who she is. Yeah. Looking at her doesn't tell me who she is. She's yeah. telling me who she is. Mm-hmm. And and um, and there came a time where she was talking about what she grew up with. Uh, Southern Baptist Southerner. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and I remember she said to me one day, "You're the first person in my life that's ever treated me like a human being." Mm-hmm. Probably 40. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it just felt like um, 
there's all the awfulness and then there's the possibility that we can move out of that and do that just do that for ourselves and others just to treat ourselves like human beings with no idea what that means with no idea what it means just it's all discovery it's all just curiosity it's all just discovery and I think so much of what we've been talking about tomorrow you know, you were able to be with that person and just witness our, um, yeah, be present, mm-hmm. be present to what is, and, and yeah, and that what, what we're talking about this morning, just being with and observing, mm-hmm. you know, not coming from that place of trying to fix it or change it or, mm-hmm. yeah, just such a lovely example of that, of just meeting that person where she was mm-hmm. and, and, and being available and, what, and how transformational that is, both for the other person and for yeah. And it just strikes me, it's the beauty of being reflected with and speaking to is what just comes around is she was that girl. Mm-hmm. She, was, she was that, that she girl. Was, she was wow. that boy when she was growing up. Mm-hmm.
I knew that that wasn't me. You know, that the boys loved my loved me, and I, you know, I identify a lot at that age with my twin sister. So they loved us. We were like a guy. <laughs> we were like their good friends. But we weren't viewed in that way because we were small. And it's just so how that belief can be entrenched even at 50. You know, just that, well, I, I'm not that. And then this other thing, this other part that's like, well, I am that. But what happens is, it doesn't like this part. Mm-hmm. And this part doesn't like this part. So the sexual side blames that for not getting to be who she is. And this one blames her, you know. And so there's been this whole, like, I'm either one or the other. And neither one allow are allowed to be okay. Yeah. And so, so and then, ego has come in and kind of said, which I didn't catch, so I was doing this class, and we've had sexuality retreats, you know, <laughs> years ago, but I went on, and I didn't see this then. But there was this subtle thing that went on with me when I first came to practice, which was, if I'm just, you know, this is just going to take a few years, and, and I'm going to sit facing a blank wall, and I'm going to even live at the monastery, and then I'm going to look a certain way that it had pictured, that a spiritual person would look like, which was not how I looked. It was sort of how I looked, but it would be perfectly how I thought I would look anyway. So I never saw how pseudo-Zen had done it with sexuality. So if I just sit enough, and if I'm just present enough, then I'm going to feel, and if I just breathe and receive in sexual relationship, then I'm going to be the right sex. You know, it just would take it. And it never let me just be present because it would lead to, uh, it would just pull me out of it. Well, this isn't what it's supposed to look like. You know, you're not being present enough. (laughs) (laughs) And so just that whole thing about, um, I mean, just the the possibility that all is okay is just astounding to me through this thing. I just keep saying it. Mm-hmm. With every, it's so here's how it translated. I know I keep talking about it. It's not this Here's how it translated to this morning. So it's Mother's Day. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, and um, I mean, we've had some bad Mother's Days because ego had gotten me about what it should be looking like, mm-hmm. and I stomp my feet around and mm-hmm. get them all in order to make the right Mother's Day. <laughs> so <laughs> nobody's there today. The, the, the husband that would create it is in Europe, and the, da- the oldest daughter who always mm-hmm. is the one. And so I have these two younger ones. And I knew that they had not done what their father told them to do. <laughs> and because I'm practicing with this, this content, it doesn't matter. And I'm practicing with it. I wish I was avoiding it. I mean, part of me was like hoping to over-spiritualize it. But anyway, because I'm seeing that thing of what ego, I mean, I can relate with that person in the tenderloin because I have her inside. You know, I have the thing that nobody inside has been able to look at with respect and humanness or whatever. So, because we're practicing that, I thought, what is the possibility this morning? (laughs) Well, I took time to catch up on a few assignments before anybody woke up. And then I thought, what do I want to do? I'd like to go to the monastery. I'd like to go for a hike. Um, And I would like to be 
It just brings tears to my eyes. Because I've been that person who's startled kids. I know what that feels like to be the startled and the startler. Um, and I, I thought to myself, I could wake up this morning and I could be that mom that appreciates her children on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And it just shifted the whole thing. <laughs> it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, I was free. And, you know, my 16 year old son, you know, just like stumbling out of bed, you know, grabbing the cars and <laughs> half away because, you know, I'm like, oh, I'd like to, go. can we go, it's cool right now, let's take the dogs and go around the loop and then I'm going to go to the monastery and he's looking at me like, why isn't she saying, <laughs> oh, and I have my hat on, I put my own, we have this celebration hat on, you see, like, she got her own hat. <laughs> Which is fine, you know, I mean, I, I'm set up. <laughs> they're, they're like, looking at me. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, you know, I, you guys are just the very best kids a mother could ever want. And I made breakfast. <laughs> love to eat. And, you know, it was just, we have, if we do it for this person, and then I take care of the part that was a little disappointing that the husband and the older daughter and then they're not all doing, you know, I'm up early letting the dog out and cleaning the kitchen. <laughs> but it's just, you know, just that crucial point of, of the possibility if we don't get identified on one side of that darn duality. Yeah, just, a, just a possibility, you know, when we get here and realize, you know, some people that... You know, I could have a really miserable day today because, you know, nothing is looking like I have, like I would want it to be, or like, you know, how bad yeah. what Mother's Day is. Yeah, or sexuality you know, is, or right? Or is, or yeah. any of it. You know, there's just a big push yeah. that this is it, and it's just this and this little narrow way of being. And to actually have, um, you know, gratitude for practice that opened it up this morning to look at you know, wow, what is it that is needed by this human being? Like you, you, you know, you saw that there's, wow, there's parts in there that never get acknowledged or never, you know, they never get listened to. And what is it that she really needs? And then I could, like, give it. You know, there's a possibility to actually provide that. And, and there's plenty of time. You know, I would, uh, oftentimes I think ego jumps in with trying to then figure it out. If I don't, if it doesn't drop in, I put that in quotes quickly. Yeah. There's so kind of, okay, well, this must be it. Back to the uh-huh. side of the duality. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Just being that ping pong back and forth between those two dualities. You know, just coming to this place of, um, you know, just taking care of her this morning <laughs> and realizing, oh my gosh, I can actually, you know, be happy for these children. <laughs> that they're sleeping in. And they're sleeping in, <laughs> and, you know. And, and actually, yeah, when, when she gets given what she needs, she doesn't need them to, you know, to be something that they're not. You know? And I think part of it was I acknowledged I was disappointed. Because usually I'll flip to, yeah. okay, the right thing to do is just accept yeah. them and go, you know, but there, that yeah. didn't happen too quickly. There was a, exactly. wow, so yeah, I miss those two that normally take the care of me. Yeah. <laughs> and that goes back to, yeah, just seeing everything in here. Getting, you know, letting her say what's true. 
and, and, and really having space for that and hearing her. Thanks for everybody. I think there's so much yeah. I'm learning through these. Yeah. Yeah. Every month, you know, and I think I cannot look at that piece of content. And then you say, you know, and then it's like, poof, you know, everybody's acceptable. The religious one, mm-hmm. I mean, there's all different kinds, you know, but the, the, that two particularly don't accept each other very much at all. Uh-huh. And uh, so, but they're both okay. You know, they're, they're both, both okay. okay. There's nothing wrong with either one of them. Absolutely, and there's really room for all of it. And then when we do that, then then both of my all my children are okay. Mm-hmm. And the people um, I encounter at work, you know, mm-hmm. they're just they're okay. They're doing they're doing their life. Mm-hmm. They're seeing what they can see. Uh, and I don't really make it harder. Yeah, really. And the only way not to make it harder is to end suffering. Mm-hmm. Here. Here. In this person. In this person. That's the only way to not make it harder for everybody else out there. Mm-hmm. To, you know, to really to end suffering with the only, in the only place that we actually talk about control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the only place that we can actually make the difference. Mm-hmm. Here. Thank you.